0: This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about how we are different often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley. In the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, another crisis and renewed debate about race, not only in this state, but also in America. In February, in Brunswick, Georgia, a jogger, Ahmad Arbery, was shot and killed by two men who said they were trying to make a citizen's arrest. A third man who captured Arbery's death on his cell phone is also charged. In New York, a Harvard-educated bird watcher asks a woman to leash her dog in a part of Central Park where the law says pets must be leashed. She instead dials 911, claiming her life is being threatened by an African-American man. And then Minneapolis, George Floyd died, crying out for his late mother, saying, I can't breathe, as the knee of a Minneapolis police officer choked off his airway. And as of this moment, while the four officers have been fired, no charges have been filed. Our guest is Al Vivian. He is the CEO of Basic Diversity. And I wanted Al to talk with us today because he's an expert and a teacher on the issue of race awareness, Al, thanks for making yourself available to us.
1: Oh, thank you for calling me. I, I, I you know, I can talk about this stuff forever.
0: What is your reaction to the three stories that are dominating our headlines right now?
1: Um, not surprised. Um, just just amazed at how many are happening in such a short period of time, but but not surprised. This is, this is nothing new in American society or American history
0: and why do you say it's nothing new
1: um, our entire history has these episodes throughout it uh recent history shows us this the, the you know that old saying nothing changes if nothing changes and so if people consistently get away with things it's just going to continue and so these trends, have lasted on and on and on and on and on i uh i actually was uh, so i have a uh you know i got a number of of threads going during the COVID time frame of of text messages from groups of friends and one in particular my my fraternity line brothers up you know just give them a shout out on this uh, alpha by alpha fraternity incorporated alpha Road chapter morehouse college uh my line the phenomenal 15 uh we've been sharing information. And then when these cases that you mentioned started happening, we started sending out text to each other covering this topic. And there's a, a quote that I've used on a number of occasions by Martin Luther King Jr. talking about uh, the reaction of riots and why riots happen and why people riot, et cetera. And um, I, I was prepping for this call, we were going to talk today, and I kind of put in this quote that I used from King and, and one of my line brothers, Sent me that audio clip because it was on his mind as well. I was like, "What? What about time? Look at the timing." I was just going to mention it today. And in fact, if 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 possible, can I give a minute and twenty six seconds to play that clip of King talking about riots?
0: Yes, please do that.
2: Riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously. And we condemn riots. In the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. What is it that America has failed to hear? It failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. It has failed to hear that large segments a white society, are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. The corner is, our nation's summons the riots, are caused by our nation's whippers of delays. As long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position Having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention.
0: You share that with our listeners for what reason?
1: Because he could have been giving that speech had he not been taken from us. King could have given that same speech today and it would be just as appropriate. Uh, the, the flight has not changed. Nothing changes until. You know, just something changes. And we keep having these repeats throughout history uh, of the same thing. The Kerner Report said back in the 60s that this was going to continue to happen. And again, it has continued to happen because America has not made the necessary changes for justice, equality, and all of us having our inalienable rights. Thus, an African-American in the park, uh, Harvard-educated executive, Having himself threatened for correcting someone.
0: What has to happen? Who needs to initiate action for something to change?
1: Well, you know, until, and this is not just whites on race, this is any dominant group towards non dominant groups. So if you're talking men um, on gender, if you're talking those of us who are straight towards, inequality towards those who are the LGBTQ community until the dominant group speaks up and says enough and then actually acts, does something, nothing will ever change. And unfortunately, on a societal level, white America has not changed on these issues. They've changed individually, but when it comes to, uh, and only so much, but when it comes to big social related issues, white America hasn't changed a whole lot. The the income disparity is as large now as it's ever been. I mean, the the mistreatment by law enforcement is is standard operating procedure. I mean, it's, it goes on, which is why the officer felt comfortable enough to keep his knee on the gentleman's throat, on Mr. Floyd's throat, as he was choking. As people were saying, "Hey, give him some air," he continued to do it, even after. And by well, he's already in handcuffs, already a he continues to do this, and he felt comfortable doing it. By the way, and I, I just read this in the, in the, uh, on uh, on something I got sent to me that apparently, and I haven't verified this myself. Apparently, this there were eighteen other incidents that have been cited on this officer, and so the question is why is he continuing? Why was he continuing to serve? So when they fire him right away, they didn't fire him right away. This is number nineteen. So, you know, there's no real reason to believe things are going to change until we see some normative of actions being taken against officers for doing these things.
0: Al, talk to us about white privilege and why many white people don't want to acknowledge that they have it or acknowledge that they use it.
1: White privilege in a nutshell, it is the instant benefit of the doubt based on your being white. I have male privilege. I'm instantly if it's a debate between a man and a woman, me and a woman, it's instantly for the most part by society perceived I'm right because I'm a man. I am a a Christian, so I can voice my views on Christianity and religion and faith and instantly assumed I'm right. Whereas a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Hindu, not even a Jewish person has that same privilege. So it's dominant group privilege. But if we're talking about on whiteness, uh, the white privilege exists because well, people are genuinely and generally good. Most people believe in fairness. Most whites believe in fairness. Most people who believe in fairness do not want to acknowledge that things are unfair. Because then we have to acknowledge not only that things are unfair, which doesn't fit our want to believe schema, it also means we have to force ourselves to look at the fact that we are the ones who are reaping the benefits of that lack of fairness. And that's uncomfortable to people, so we don't do it. And so if you're in a dominant group, you are accustomed to your norms being the norms and not being challenged. And so you can become very fragile on having to challenge your normality. And so why is it so used to their norms being the norm that they become very fragile you know, white privilege and white fragility, they become very fragile in having to defend the reality. Same as men on gender and straight on sexual orientation and etc. cetera.
0: Al, even as we've begun this conversation, I have the computer up and I see a tweet from a Minnesota Senator, Amy Klobuchar, who says that Derek Shaven has been arrested and is in custody, as we are speaking, for the murder of George Floyd. What is the likelihood that, a jury of this man's peers will send him to jail
1: based on history, past and present very slim, but, but we will see this, this could be the beginning of a change, but, you know, uh, until there's some normality, until we normally see officers arrested for these kind of actions, there will be no major large scale change. You know, there'll be this rare exception and then, Oh, Hey, you know, we go back to normal. So until we see this as a norm and it's, it's so, I mean, let's just even think about this. We're talking about a case of law enforcement officers. So you had the case recently, you know, we just you just mentioned that the Aubrey case, these were not even law enforcement officers, and they were on film, and they walked for an exceptionally long period of time. It wasn't until the video went public that they were arrested. So I have no reason to believe that law enforcement is going to be held accountable when we had civilians not be held accountable for month. In, in, in addition, uh, the, the video had been seen by two different entities within law enforcement, the video for the Aubrey case. and both cases, the people recused themselves and didn't say, hey, arrest them. In fact, in at least one of the cases, they said, hey, I, I see no reason for an arrest. You know, they defended it the people who who, who who stalked this African-American male and killed him, Mr. Aubrey. I mean, and it's all of that kind of stuff. So until I see a, a trial, a legitimate trial, and there's an outcome that proves and shows to society that, you know, uh, uh, something that makes people believe, oh, okay, I can see they're not guilty, or oh, I can see they are guilty, until there's a clear cut like that, and you see those as a norm, we're never going to believe this will change. You know, the vast majority of them. The good thing is that I saw a large number of whites involved in these protests, larger numbers than I have in the past. So there's some sense of, hey, this could be different. But then again, this could still just be the exception. Until there's a, a normal trend like that, no one believes there's a
0: chance. In the Auberry case, there was video subsequent to the video of his murder that sought to suggest that Mr. Auberry was doing something untoward. I can't tell you how many houses under construction I've walked through, and yet yeah, that right. seems to have been a criminal act.
1: Yeah, so, which is the, the, the point I was going to make on that, So. I've walked through a number of houses, and I, when I had my house built, my previous home built, I, I would come look at my house, and there'll be people in my house walking around looking. I, I had no problems with that, because that's a normal thing that people do. But let's say, let's say he was walking through the house, and let's say he committed a felony. Let's say he actually stole something. That's not a death penalty, official. And the people who followed him, did not have knowledge and see him, which is the law. They did not see him and knew without a doubt that he had committed a crime. They had suspicions. They did not have the right to, to stalk him and kill him. And it, it, even like when you see the riots of people. So our president did a tweet suggesting that, you know, these thugs should be shot. Now, that to me, writing definitely wrong, but as King said, it's the language of the unheard uh, You have people that have not been listened to for not just decades as, as a people for centuries on these issues, but even rioting is not a death penalty offense. There has to be an arrest, a trial by a jury of their peers, and a guilty plea. And if they're found guilty, that would not be a death penalty offense. And so it's all of those kind of things. How, how quickly people use excuses to justify the, the lynching modern day of people of color, but don't do the same thing when it's white to commit. If like, you look at the cases where you have these white supremacist militia groups protesting for, you know, public accommodations to be reopened now during COVID-19. Now, if I stood with a group of African-Americans dressed in military gear on the courthouse steps uh, with loaded weapons, I'm sure the response would not be the same. Because as an African-American, I don't have that freedom. That's not a white privilege. That's I mean, that's a, black, a white privilege, it's not a people of color privilege. I wouldn't be able to do that.
0: Is it fair to say that the racism that exists in America is still taking cues from its leaders?
1: Always has, always will. Leadership matters. Tone at the top, matters. Um, I'm a former Army captain, as I know that you know. Um, and, you know, there the, are the two rules that you instantly learn a, 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 in the Army. In the, in the Army, I mean, you can come in as a brand-new private or you can come in as a brand-new second lieutenant And you automatically are told two basic rules. Rule number one, which is kind of a joking one. Rule number one is you never volunteer for anything. In other words, if they need you, they'll send you. Don't volunteer who you get. Learn something first. The second rule, when in charge, take charge. If you're the leader, you're responsible. And so the reality is leadership does matter. And people take their cues from leaders. It is not by accident that the way, our, and I don't care what your politics are, whoever's listening, I, I'm an independent. Uh, I don't care what your policies are on on uh, or your political views are, but the when our president cozied up so comfortably with white supremacists, it was not by accident that the number of white racist events and the actions of white supremacists increased throughout the nation, not just in certain segments, of the country, throughout the country, because they were taking the their cues from, from, from our leader. And I didn't call him a racist if anybody's listening and thinking that's what I said. I just said that they're taking his cues on how he cozied up to white supremacy. It is not by accident that, um, it is not by accident that, um, oh, why can't I think of his name? David Duke openly campaigned for Trump. It is not by accident that David Duke did robocalls speaking on behalf of Donald Trump. That's not an accident. He realized that they had something in common, their views on how to handle issues of race. Leadership matters, good and bad. Do you see
0: a day when things will be better in this country for people of color?
1: I consistently have hope that things will be better, but I have no real reason to believe things will ever be equal. Because we've had four hundred years of it not being equal. Again, until there's some normality of equality. Nothing changes. If nothing changes, and so the 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 and, and and I you know even that that tone of I have hope you know people of color tend to be pretty optimistic, but we're also extreme realists. And if you have a history that consistently shows you you're not viewed the same, then you're not going to see the world the same as those who do get treated as if they're individuals. Because the reality is, we don't get to be individuals. We are that black guy who is, who just did that, or and even when we do great Barack Obama will always be the black president, you know. Colin Powell will always be the first black Secretary of State, you know. It's 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 no matter how high your achievement, you're still seen by your race unless you're white. Then you're seen as the norm, just like on gender, a woman is the first woman president. Whenever we Get one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you have an intersection of different non-dominant groupings like Kambalisa Rights, first black female secretary of state, that's always gonna be what's seen, what's noticed, what's remembered, because it doesn't fit the norm of American society. So until we see some again, normality of equality and justice and freedom and inalienable rights. You know, that's also like like the You know, I get often asked the question of, uh, well, what should happen? Who should do what? You know, uh, in particular, I get asked by white often, well, what should white people do? And I, I know the answer, but it's always an interesting question to me because deep down inside, they know what to do. The Constitution tells them what to do. The Bible tells them what to do. Morality tells them what to do. I mean, they know they do it every time. Whites are treated unjustly. They know what to do. They just, unfortunately, tend, whites tend as a society on a societal level, tend not to do those things when the victim is a person of color. All of a sudden, morality is not applied the same. Constitution is not applied the same way. The law is not applied the same way, especially if the person who's the perpetrator of that ill happens to have on a uniform of law enforcement. They really don't apply the rules to them fairly, justly, equitably, honestly. And if that sounds harsh to anybody who's listening, um, I'm sorry. Just look at that. um, Even all of that, the, the whole white fragility conversation, the whole piece of we can't even have an honest dialogue about race if you're a person of color and call it race. Without getting us you know white suprema, they have to use words like um privilege or words like fragility as opposed to saying that's flat out racism it's it's all of that because of the fragility of the dominant groups and women have to do the same thing with us men because we have tend to have on on the norm shallow egos just as people in the LGBTQ community have to you know parse their words when talking to to those of us who are straight about these issues. It, it's all of that. The non-dominant group has to understand and play by the rules of the dominant group. It's called survival. And we all know it because it's like that old saying, when in Rome, do it to Romans." You learn the cultural norms of whoever is in charge and you follow those norms, lest ye be <laughs> banished from, from reality or from, from being seen as acceptable.
0: So the institutional racism that exists in the United States is baked in and even an understanding and knowledge of unconscious bias and an effort by people to change that unconscious bias until you say something changes, it's all going to be the same.
1: Well, I won't say we'll all be the same, as I kind of said earlier, that I think things will get better. I have no reason to believe things will ever be equal based on what I've seen historically. I hope, but I have no reason to believe. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic, but I'm also a realist. And so, if I go by if I go by my faith, my hope, oh, absolutely. But if I go by reality and my human side, I said, I'm not too sure. And again, because even that answer is biblical. Faith without works is dead. You know, so whenever a major thing like this happens, we tend to hear from dominant society, we hear things like, our hopes and prayers are with you. I love that. Please keep hoping, please keep praying, but act. Faith without work is dead alone. Give me some action. And until there's action by the dominant group as a norm, to try to change those inequalities and injustices there will never be fair, equitable justice. So I do have hope it will get better, but I logically have no reason to believe that it will ever be equal. We've got 400 years of this. Al Vivian, I know it's that you go into business.
0: Oh, I'm, go ahead, I'm sorry
1: i uh, just saying trends mean something.
0: Al Vivian, I know that you go into businesses and groups and help to educate people about the institutional racism that exists in our society, the unconscious bias that exists, and issues dealing with race. If somebody listening feels enlightened and wants to move toward that change, how do they get in touch with you?
1: I'm glad you asked that question. That's my favorite question of every interview. Al Vivian, so A-L, V is in victory, I, V is in victory, I-A-N. At basicdiversity.com. Al Vivian at basicdiversity.com or just go to our website, basicdiversity.com.
0: Al Vivian, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much.
1: Kind of, I appreciate appreciate you. It's always good to talk with you.
0: Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me, 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condis Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective.